Seems like a lot of people that I know want to be different. Seems like fewer of them want to change. Seems like a lot of people I know want to be better, but fewer of them want to get better. And I think I may know why. First of all, I think because change is hard, isn't it? Can we talk? Change is hard. And the longer we go at something in a certain way, the harder it is to change. The other reason, I think, is because probably all of us in the room have at some point or another experienced change and it turned out to be short-lived. We just kind of went back to our old selves, right? Anybody besides me? <laughs> As I thought. rest of you are liars. <laughs> so change is hard. I get that there's resistance to change. But if you've been around this place very long, you know that in this room right now are plenty of examples of powerful, substantial, fundamental, essential change. You know that there are people sitting in this room right now who by the power of God in their lives have experienced amazing, lasting change. Am I right? And so that should come as an enticement, if not an encouragement, to the rest of us. So I want to launch this series today because one of the great and consistent themes of the Bible is that God changes people. I mean, he changes them. That if you start reading through the Bible thing, anybody reading the Bible lately? Fourteen of you. That was better than last week. When you read the Bible and you see these characters in the Bible and you see that they end their lives in substantially different places than where they were scheduled to go, right? And when I look at these examples, and there are probably as many examples in this Bible as, as you really would ever want, but as I look at the ones I'm familiar with, I see that they have at least two common themes. And one is that it was God who changed them. God does the changing. That if you look at the Bible, the lesson is that we don't change ourselves. I mean, when I try to change myself, I notice that I can do it for a while and then I forget. Am I right? We can pull it off for a while, but unless something happens at the core, I revert back. God does the changing. And the second thing I've noticed in these examples in Scripture is that God used some condition that was already present in their lives to bring about the change. That in each of these cases that I'm going to show you today and over six weeks, in each case, God used something that was already happening in their life to catalyze the fundamental change that occurred. So this should come as encouragement, as good news. Because it means if you're a person who says, I'm ready to change, I'm ready to change, it means that you already have what you need to enter into the process because you have God who's going to make the change and because he's going to use something that's in your life already to catalyze it. So is that good news? I think it's good news. 
So I've isolated six different examples of people in the Bible whose lives substantially changed and whose lives I think we can learn from. And they're Abraham and Joseph and Esther and Peter and Mary Magdalene and Paul. These are six Six different personalities. I've chosen four men and two women because it's my studied experience of 33 years in ministry that men tend to come more screwed up than women. That's just how we come, right? That's how we arrive. (laughs) I think men need more reason to change. And I think we men take longer to change. So maybe that explains the part of the preponderance of male examples in the Bible. I don't know. It just seems like men come mixed up. Now, don't get me wrong, in 33 years, I've met a lot of crazy women. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> and you're welcome here. <laughs> But my motivation for bringing this series is that mostly that I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to come and answer some of your most deeply prayed prayers. You know those secret prayers that you pray that you would never pray out loud because you wouldn't want anybody to know that about you? You know that secret hidden part of yourself where you pray, God, unless you change me, I'm always going to be this way. I'm not talking about the thing we do on the outside. I'm talking about those prayers of desperation that we pray from the core. And I believe that God has promised to send his Holy Spirit into our our times together to meet you at the point of those prayers. So today I'd like for us just to look at Abraham. I mean... You're going to need to buckle up for this series because there's going to be turbulence. I think I can promise you a safe landing, but I can't promise you a pleasant trip because God's going to do some stuff. I want to look at Abraham in the Old Testament. And here at, here at the Vineyard in Grove City, we always like to start from the beginning. I always try to be sensitive to that. There are people in the room that go, what's an Old Testament? And Old Testament is the first part of the Bible. It's divided up into two places, Old Testament and second half is the New Testament. And uh, kind of the short explanation of that is that the first part, the Old Testament, is before Jesus. The New Testament is from Jesus on. And in the first book of the Bible in Genesis, chapter 12, we encounter this guy called Abraham. Well, his name here is Abram. So profound was the change that occurred in his life that God even changed his name. So when we get him here, he's flying under the old banner of Abram. And when you look at the life of Abraham, Abram slash Abraham, you you discover a guy who for the first 75 years of his life, that's right, 75 years of his life, was an idol worshiper in the land of the Chaldeans. And then he spent the next hundred years of his life on a wild ride with God at the wheel. He started his life as an idol worshiper. He ended his life as the one through whom Jesus would eventually come to bless the whole world. 
Now that's a change, wouldn't you say? And this is the kind of change that God is up to in people's lives. And if you study the life of Abraham, you see that every day wasn't a great day for him. And there are some of the days that are recorded in this book for Abraham that I'm sure he wished wouldn't have made the book. So every day, it wasn't just this sort of meteoric rise. It was uh, like this, up, down, up, down. But if you look at the trajectory of his long life, you see that he ended in a substantially different, better, different place than when he started. And that's what the Christian walk is about, guys. You're going to have stellar days. You're going to have victorious days. And you're going to have Days where you wonder, does anybody else really think these things, do these things? But what we're looking at here is the long-term trajectory of your life, right? Where does the line go? And so we have this guy named Abram here in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. The Lord that said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's about Jesus there. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, who eventually becomes Sarah. She also had a name changed. Took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. I'd like for you to look at that and make a couple of essential observations. And the first one is this. That it was God who was promising to make these fundamental changes in Abram. Four times God said, I will, I will, I will, I will. Four times. God said, I'm the one who's promising to make the changes in you. There's an invitation in the first verse that we'll get to in just a second. But he said, I will, I will, I will, I will. I think it's a fundamental error to look at the Bible as an explanation of perfection and then say, God gives this to us, holds it over us, and says, now it's up to you to figure out how to conform your life to it. I think it's a critical error to say that the Bible is meant to be a standard for us to somehow, by our own strength, figure out how to conform our lives to. I mean, how well is that working out for you guys so far, right? That we have to understand that the Bible is meant for something else. Paul says in the book of Galatians, he says that the purpose of the law, the Old Testament law, you know, the Ten Commandments stuff, that the purpose of that was to demonstrate deeply to every one of us our need for Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross for us. That the purpose of the law, which the Pharisees 
developed into more than 630 expressions of the law, that the purpose of that was not for us to run ourselves ragged and live under this cloud of failure, like, am I ever going to get this? But it was to demonstrate that we don't have the capacity to fulfill it on our own, and that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came, and he gave his life for us to do something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. And so in this passage here, he says, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, I will do it. You know, some of you may be thinking already in this series, you'll go like, I don't think, I don't think change is possible for me. And the reason you're probably thinking that is because you've tried to change yourself, were successful for a short period, and then failed. Okay, well, let's abandon that plan, okay? Let's just abandon that plan and go to God and say, God, would you change me from the inside out? Would you change my hard drive? Would you change the core reality? Some of you are there going, well, I think maybe I'm too old. Really? So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and lot with him, Abram was 75 years old when he started. Abram was 75 years old before he started this journey of change. But the key is understanding that the Holy Spirit wants to do something in us, for us. And that we need to be open to that and abandon our efforts to change ourselves. Make sense? Say yes or I'll start again. Okay. So, that's the first thing. Second observation is this. That it was Abraham's response of obedience that catalyzed the enormous change God made in his life. Remember how I said that in each of these cases I'm going to show you that there's something that's already happening in that person's life that's going to be the catalyst for the change? Remember how I said that? Does anybody remember? Okay. Well, in Abraham's life, in Abram's life at this point, it was his obedience. It was his response of obedience that catalyzed God making the change. I mean, look at how this starts. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. That sounds like a lot, doesn't it? Pack up your stuff and move. What happens? So Abram left, (laughs) as the Lord had told him. He lives in this kind of blind, unquestioning obedience, doesn't he? God says, I want you to move. He says, okay. Honey, pack up the kids, we're going. Sheep and the goats and the pots and the pans and the tents, and here we go. And it was this obedience, it was this kind of blind, raw obedience that God used, as you see this, that catalyzed this fundamental change, this core change in Abraham. You know, if you look through the Old Testament, you'll see that the theme of God blessing obedience happens over and over and over again. Have you seen that? He said, I'll bless you. He says, keep my word, keep my word, and I'll bless you. Jesus affirmed it in the New Testament. In Luke eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. The word of God. Yeah, the Bible stuff, absolutely. But also that stirring inside of you. You know how God stirs you? Do you? Hello? Talk to me, church. I'll start again. You know? There's like a stirring on the inside of you that's like, it's, it's Bible mixed with your life. 
And the Holy Spirit is like saying stuff to you that isn't like directly in the Bible because your address isn't in there, but it's very specific stuff and you get stirrings inside of you and go, is that God? Stuff you wouldn't think of on your own. The stirring that some of you are feeling right now that God wants to do something in your life. That's the word of God living in you. And Jesus said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. That there's a blessing in the obedience and this is something uh, very important in our lives that we've got we've to lay hold of and write into our lives that God, God wants to bless our obedience. So ask me, so what does obedience do? Go ahead. Well, first of all, let's talk about what it doesn't do. Obedience does not earn God's favor. Obedience does not earn God's favor. Like, oh, well, you've eaten your Brussels sprouts. Very good. You may have your pie. I mean, that's kind of how it goes, isn't it? You know, I've told you before that uh, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, and my parents were good people, are good people, but they did the best they could. But I remember as a kid thinking, like, I, I think there's a God, and I think there must be a heaven and stuff like that. And I remember asking my mom, so is there a heaven? And she said, yes, Tommy, there's a heaven. And I said, well, how do you get into this heaven? I remember this conversation. And she's like, well, God has a big book with everybody's name in it. And she looked at me and she said, and every time you do something bad, God puts a black mark in the book. Anybody hear this version of this? Yeah. All the recovering Roman Catholics. Just kidding. Every time. You do something bad, God puts a black mark next to your name. And if you live your whole life and don't have too many black marks, you get into heaven. I was like nine, and I'm like, I'm screwed. I'm, I'm done. I mean, it's like, I don't have a chance. I don't have a hope. I already knew that my, like, pages and pages of black marks, lying and stealing and all these things was done. And, you know, praise God, my parents are both believers now. They're in their 80s, and they authentically trust Jesus as their Savior, and they would never explain it that way now, but it's what they knew then. But isn't that kind of the concept, that if you do good, you earn God's blessing? And if you don't do good, you don't earn God's blessing. And it's even kind of a quasi-Christian concept that is so opposite of the gospel, Where Paul said, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. That it's by the grace of God. So if obedience doesn't earn God's favor, his blessing, what does obedience do? Well, I like to explain it that what obedience does is obedience moves you into the realm of God's blessing. Obedience moves you into the realm of God's blessing. And I'd like just to picture that we're all as believers living in the kingdom of God and there's a kingdom reality breaking out in this place right now. We've come together and we've worshiped Jesus. We've like exercised our, in, the intention of our will to acknowledge his lordship. And Jesus has come and he's established his kingdom in this room right now, which he has. And I'd like for you just to imagine living in the kingdom of God and that it is God's intent 
to bless his people. I believe this. I have read this Bible from Genesis to maps, and I believe that God intends to bless his people. He wants to bless us. So what does obedience do? Obedience says, okay, I'm here. And God says, your blessing is over here. Please come. Please come. The blessing is here. It's about moving. I mean, look at, look at Abraham. He was in this one place. God said, I want you to move. And he moved from where he was to where God told him to go. And in moving geographically in his case, not in every case, but in his case, moving geographically, he moved from where the blessing of God wasn't to the place where the blessing of God was so that when he got there, the first thing God said was, here's what I'm going to give y'all. And he saw the blessing. And so what did his obedience do? Did it earn God's favor? No, it moved him from where the blessing wasn't to the place where the blessing was. Now we see the reverse in the Garden of Eden. We see Adam and Eve were born, created into the place of God's blessing and said, man, you're here, I'm going to bless you. But their disobedience, their disobedience caused a reverse trajectory where they were put outside of the garden, where they were moved outside of the garden by their disobedience. So what does obedience do? Does it earn God's favor? No, it just gets us in the place we're meant to be. Or the blessing is. It's really no more complicated than that. And so do you see how disobedience, living, continuing to resist God, and living in sin, do you see how that cuts off the blessing of God? Why? Because God's mad? No, because we're not in the place of His blessing. And so if you're a person who, you know, you're making an exception for yourself, you're reading the Bible and you're saying, yeah, I know that's what it says, and for most people that would be true, but you know what, I'm kind of a special case here. <laughs> what you're doing is you're resisting the call of God, aren't you? And what you're doing is you're insisting on staying where the blessing is not. And God's saying, whenever you want it. You don't earn it by going over it. It's just where it is. That's just where it is. And as long as we continue to make exceptions of ourselves to the word of God and not obey it, we should not expect to live under the powerful blessing of God. But when we obey... I know how it works. God says, Tom, I want you to go to India again. Oh, God, don't make me go back there, please. There are devils everywhere I go. And I complain and fume and then go, and then, man, it's on. The power of God is just on. The blessing is there. Come back here. Bring more blessing as your pastor because... I was obedient. The same principle is true in your life. Obedience puts us in the place where God wants to bless us anyway. So, change. (laughs) 
Some of you are saying, I want to experience fundamental change. Some of you are going like, why should I? Why should I? I'm good. I'm good enough. I got the heaven box checked off. I've asked Jesus to be my savior. I'm good. Why should I change? I think you should change because if we don't change our direction, we're likely to wind up where we're going. Just please, extend the trajectory of your life. Is it going to a good place? Are you not getting altitude? Well, the change begins as the core change that you want, because I'm not ever here going to try to shame you into changing your behavior. That's a dead-end street. I always just want to invite you closer to God, to experience more of God. So the change that some of you just crave and go, yeah, there's a secret place in me that if that thing was different, I'd be a different person. Core change. It starts by getting in touch with what God is stirring inside of you, the word of God stirring inside of you. What's God calling you to do? And then be obedient to that. And it might be a little thing, it might be a big thing. But responding to the stirring of God on the inside of you, the change that has to occur. You know, the, the first fundamental change that has to occur in each of our lives for this process to begin is that we have to become Christians. We have to come into relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Nothing happens before that. And some of you in this room right now are experiencing a stirring on the inside of you that says today is the day that you want to ask Jesus Christ into your life as your Savior and as your Lord. Because you're getting it. It's just like dawning on you. And you understand that Life is like this, that like, here's where you are and here is where God is and you has a, have this desire to know God and experience God, but there's like this big valley, this bottomless pit in between you, right? And you call over and you go, God, 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 God. And you pray prayers and nobody listens. But you want him to, you want to connect with God. You understand, the Bible says that God has said eternity in the hearts of men and you want the fulfillment of that, but there's this long distance, and then so you try to build little bridges, right? Don't you? Huh? The good works. I'm going to be a good person. I'm never going to say another bad word. I'm never going to, I'm never going to, I'm never going to, right? I mean, you kind of get some direction, and then you fall off the edge of the plank you built. Some of you, I know, I'm going to be religious. I'm going to go to church five times a week. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to carry it to work with me. I'm going to let people see me read my Bible at work. Man, that's going to, that's going to, that's going to, ah. Lasts about six days, right? And some of you have even explored other philosophies and other religions. And you said, you know, maybe somebody else has this right and can connect me with God. And you go, oh, man, that's it. Oh, mom, And it doesn't work. And you still feel like, but I haven't made connection with God yet. And the Bible says that's because there is one God and there's one mediator, connector, between man and God, and that's the man Jesus Christ.
that the only thing that covers that thing, the only thing that covers that distance is the cross of Jesus Christ and his shed blood for you, for him doing something for us that we could never do for ourselves. So how do you get over to this side? How does it happen for you? By asking Jesus Christ authentically. Asking Jesus Christ to come in and be the forgiver of your sins. Cleanse you from all of your sins. Come in and be Lord of your life. Just let him come in and change the price tags. Let him be the boss. How do you do that? You just come to that place authentically for yourself where you realize and you confess, I can't cover this bridge by my own God. Would you cover it for me through your son, Jesus? And some of you are feeling a stirring for that today. Maybe it's your first time here. Maybe you've been coming here for years, but it's such like, oh, oh, is that what that means? It doesn't matter. If it's your birthday, it's your birthday. Others of you, you say, no, that cross, I, I trust in Jesus, but there's, I've just grown flat and stale, you know, not getting deeper. It's the same thing. It's what's God stirring in you to which you can be obedient so that you can move from the place where that blessing of God's presence and power, his fire is, to the place where you can experience that on a consistent basis. What's God saying to you on the inside that he's calling you to be obedient? Only you could determine that. But getting in touch with that stirring on the inside of you. And so today, the example of Abraham is just... Respond in simple, blind obedience to the stirring of God. Let's pray. Father, in this place we pray now for your Holy Spirit to come and to complete the plan that you had from the beginning for us when you envisioned this group of people together. I just love them so much, Lord, and doesn't matter to me whether they've got it together or they don't have it together. I love them the same, and I'm glad that they're here, and I pray, God, that you'll bless them now. I got to say, Lord, that those people who are ready to receive you into their lives as Savior really are heavily on my heart this morning, and I think that there's it's a good day for you to make some new babies here today. So I invite you to come. The power of your Holy Spirit and create inside those people the courage to respond to your gospel. I thank you for those who are here today who just get it, that it's today's the day that they want to respond and ask Christ into their life as Savior and Lord. You know, if you're a person here today who would like to ask Jesus Christ into your life as your Savior and as your Lord, it's just dawning on you that today's the day to do that. Would you just lift your hand up so I can see who you are? I want to pray for you. I see, okay. Just hold it up, hold them up for me for a second, okay. Four, five of you, six, okay. Lord, I pray for those who just now, it's just dawning on them. It's like lights coming on. May the Spirit of the Lord come and draw them into your presence and Put Jesus in that place to span the gap between them and you. Forgive them of all their sins by Jesus' work. You just bless them as they ask Jesus into their lives now. 
You know, if you're a person who had your hand up, I, I, would, just, I would be praying a prayer that went something like this, and I can't pray it for you, but I would, I would, I would just say, God, uh, I want this. I want to be connected to you. I want to be forgiven of all my sins, and I confess that I need your son, Jesus, to cover that distance, to fill the gap, to forgive me of my sins, and I invite Jesus Christ into my life as Savior and as Lord of my life. How about for those of you who would, you're just at a place where you're going, I'm getting a different stirring. I, you know, sometimes I get what God wants me to do and I don't seem to have the courage or the wherewithal to respond to it. And I'd just like to receive some prayer. Prayer that God would enable you to be obedient to the calling of God in your life, whatever it is. Would you like some prayer? Just lift your hand up. Let me see who you are. Lots of you. Just hold it up for a second so I can kind of get a bead on you. Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. I pray for those whose hands are up now and they're just recognizing that there's more. There's something that's more. May the Spirit of the Lord come on them and stir up inside of them the capacity just to follow you, to follow hard after you, to be instant in obedience in the small things and the big things. Spirit of God, come. Thank you. You know, it'd be good, church, it'd be good if we could uh, have some prayer ministry people come on up and take your places along the side. And these guys would pray for you for anything. It wouldn't matter what's going on in your life. You could ask them to pray for anything and they'll be ready to pray for you. Why don't we stand together, church, and we'll worship God and respond to him. Prayer ministry people, come on up, please. And You know, listen. If you were a person who just asked Jesus into your life, you raised your hand when we prayed that prayer, would you please just come up to one of these people? There are people just like you, nothing to be scared of. And would you just tell them, I just prayed that prayer. And they want to give you a Bible. They want to help you get started in your walk with Jesus. And all you got to do, listen to me, prayer ministry people. They come up. Say, I just prayed that prayer. Give them a Bible. You know what to do. Let's get them started on the right foot. Okay. You can come up to these people for any kind of prayer for anything. Let's worship the Lord.